podcast, on all the websites, on all of the internet, you had to stumble onto ours. I'm Drew, and this is my top six movies. You. And we're starting at number. You. This is number five. It's Casablanca. Here's looking at Classic. you again. So. I you know nothing about. <laughs> okay, so that's what I want to say. This one might be one that you guys have not seen. Doug, you've seen Casablanca? Years ago, but yeah. Okay. Nathan, I didn't think that you had seen this one. Only so. Only clips. And I'll tell you what, this movie is one of the most quotable movies of all time. There are so many quotes from this movie that you'll hear all over the place. Matter of fact, uh, that line that I used at the beginning of this is actually of all the gin joints and all the towns and all the world, she walks into mine. Bam. Uh, you know, uh, that one, here's looking at you, kid, is in that one. We'll always have Paris. Round up the usual suspects. I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. You know, all these. So force be with you. Yeah, that one. That one was like in it. Um, so this fourth time. No, not really. <laughs> no. So this movie it, it takes place. It's in 1942 during World War II, and uh, Humphrey Bogart plays Rick. He owns a cafe in Casablanca, Morocco, and uh, at the time, Morocco is occupied by the French. So there's a lot of people fleeing Europe to get away from the German army. And one of the ways that they go is down to Casablanca. And then they hope to get a visa to get out and go to the United States. And Rick uh, runs his little cafe and he's got people coming in all the time that he sometimes will help. And he tries to stay neutral in it. But uh, Victor Laszlo is a Czechoslovakian who has escaped a, a prison camp and is on the run. And he's on his way to Casablanca and he's hoping to get some visas to, to go to the United States. However, he's bringing his wife, Elsa and Elsa and Rick happen to have a little bit of an affair in Paris a few years earlier while Victor was in a prison camp. She thought he was dead. So now he's stuck between, do I help Elsa? Do I help her husband? Do I help them escape? Do I turn him over and I leave with Elsa? You know, so at the very end of this movie, there's a lot of flip flopping going on. He leads her to believe one thing. He leads him to believe one thing. And you think that he's setting it up where they're going to turn Victor in and he's going to leave with Elsa. He's telling Elsa that we're leaving together. And when they get to the airport, he has it staged so that Victor and Elsa leave on the plane and get out. And he stays in Casablanca. So he really has to deal with this love that he has for this woman or do I do the right thing and get this guy out of here so he can continue to fight for freedom. And that's the decision that he makes at the end. And of course, the head constable of Casablanca is a, is a Frenchman who is easy to pay off. You just slide him some money and then you can get away with anything. And whenever there's a shooting, it's round up the usual suspects and they go get the same people. And so Rick kind of pays him off at the end to this is what's going to happen. We're going to let him leave. We're going to pretend that uh, I didn't shoot that guy, the German general who was there, Rick shot him. So when the cops actually show up, the cop says, go round up usual suspects. We're not sure who shot him and we don't know where Victor went. So, but the whole movie basically takes place in a cafe. It doesn't, there's not too much going on outside. You don't see a whole lot of that. 
but you see all these different characters coming in and you see how Rick has to battle with dealing with people who want his help and he's trying to stay out of it. And, you know, you find out the reason that he left United States is because he was smuggling arms to help another army. And it turned out he was on the wrong side and he had to leave the United States and go to oops, go to Morocco. And that's where he was living. So, but it's just a, it's just a classic film. It's a, it, it's, it's a really well-written, it's really well-acted. Ingrid Bergman plays Elsa and it's one of her most famous movies that she's been in. It's got Peter Lore and everybody knows who Peter Lore is. He's always that kind of like little Weasley guy. You see him mocked in a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I can't even do the accent real well. But can I, that's what I was doing at the beginning of the podcast. Just in case anyone was wondering, <laughs> I was not joking. Yeah. I was trying to do that character. Just look up his name. And just look up Peter Lore. You'll know who he is. You but anyway, so no, it's just, I, that's just a movie that I, I stumbled across on. When did I watch that? I think the first time I ever saw it, it was like on PBS late night movie. They had these like, they always wow. do like these class. Yeah. You know, they always had like tonight's class or AMC or something like that was doing like, oh, here's PBS was movies. cool. A- AMC didn't show up till we were adults. When did yes. you see this? So I saw it in high school. It was the first time yeah. I saw it. So yeah, um, AMC wasn't around just yet. Yeah. So they were, they were doing Casablanca and I'm like, oh, I've yeah. never seen this. I hear so much about it and I watched it and, and I absolutely loved it. And I have, I watch it probably a couple times a year now. So yeah. Wow. That's high marks. Interesting. I do remember it being interesting, but again, I was, I was 19. I think when I saw it, it was right around there. I was, I know I was in college and you know, we're talking 94, 95. So I was still vibing on the eighties action. I was still into Stallone and, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme just, hit here and now he's on his way back down at that point but still you know it was still kind of that i was the action horror guy yeah and you know i i didn't when i was younger i didn't watch a lot of dramatic films i mean there's so many great oscar-winning films from the 80s that i never saw until i was my 30s or something like that when i really started getting into movies so i that's this is a movie i need to see again because there's got to be just tons to talk about when it comes to spirituality because these are people running away from war from death they have lost everything they've probably lost family members they've lost friends they may have been running and lost a kid you know mm-hmm. they don't know if the person's dead or alive they just they're here now and yeah. it's like how do i what do i do next i'm still scared i need to get out of here people are chasing me where's my kid this all that and it's you know, all around Rick. And it's just like, Rick's like, man, I just, I just want to serve you drinks. That's it. And so to see him be able to grow even just a little bit to the point where he's going to help out um, this guy and his wife, you know, that's, that's a great, you know, we, and we've talked about these stories multiple times where it's, you know, a guy with shortcomings who's, you know, considered bad by some people because of what he did. Mm -hmm. It's a redemption story. Yeah. And, you know, he, you see him grow throughout the movie and then he gives the plane and gets them away. And, uh, you know, and it's a bit of sacrifice too, because, you know, I mean, one thing goes wrong. He loses his bar. He gets put in jail, probably just put to death. Probably at that time. Who knows? But he's doing all this with no thought of himself whatsoever. Yeah. If he lets, 
if he helps this person leave, he will never see the love of his life again. Yeah. He and not this group grunted. Yeah. And at the beginning of the movie, there's a, a line that he says very frequently. And he always says, I stick my neck out for no man. That's what he says. I stick my neck out for no one. So he's basically saying, I am not getting involved in anybody else. That's your problem. You have to deal with it. I'm not here to help you. Someone has these letters of transit that they want to hide and he doesn't want it in his place, but he finally says, okay, you're going to keep it here, but I'm not, they're not going to be here overnight. You have to come back and get them. There's a young couple, but you see him, like Doug said, grow. There's a young uh, Bulgarian couple that come in and they're trying to get their visa and the constable, the French guy who I said is very easily paid off, but he will also take his payment in other ways. And they allude to the fact that he propositions the wife that if you spend the night with me, I will give you this visa. And she is telling Rick this. She's like, is he a man of his word? Because, you know, my husband, if I have to do something horrible and he'll never know about it, but I'm doing this for us and I can do this to help us get out. And should I do it? Like if you, you know, she's asking him because you're a man. If, if someone who loved you so much had to do something so bad to do something for the better of you. And, and of course, at this time, he's still stewing over Elsa being there too. And he says, I think I'm like, well, I love this woman and she left me. And he says, if you want my advice, go back to Bulgaria. That's what he says to her. So she fi he finds out that this lady's husband is in the gambling room playing roulette. And he's wagering everything he has to try to make enough money to buy this visa. So Rick walks in, tells him, put your money on red. And he's like, puts all the money down on red. He looks at the wheel. The guy spins it, stops on red. The guy wins the money. And Rick says, leave it there. Spin it again. Lands on red. He gets his money. Rick tells that guy, get your money, check out, and get out of here. So he went and helped that guy to get the money to buy the visa so his wife wouldn't have to do this horrible, horrible thing. And he was able to buy the visa and leave. And of course, then the constable comes up to Rick going, boy, you really know how to ruin, <laughs> you know, ruin things, don't you? And Rick's like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, so that's like just an instance of him starting to actually start to care about other people. And you can see this gradually happen throughout the film. So, what is it that, moved him to do that was it like he got invested in their stories i mean what changed him as a character to where he started to have compassion i think it was just her coming back and seeing her and realizing how much in love he was with her with elsa and her being in love with him at the same time and doing things you know what would you do for the person that you love how far would you go what would you do and I think hearing that wife say that she was willing to do something that horrible just for the love of her husband, just to get him out. I think that kind of struck a chord with him. So he's like, you know what? I can help you. So you don't have to make that mistake. Even that's an interesting moral conundrum. Cause it's like, well, if you're doing that to save a life, is it okay type of thing? You know, that like mm -hmm. that's, that's a very yeah. interesting, like morally gray conundrum to, 
put someone obviously it's not ideal i wouldn't say it's good but i can understand yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah that would be, that would be tough to deal with you know if, if saying i were the husband i i yeah I'd, i think i wouldn't want to know <laughs> or could right, you be yeah. mad at her if she I, if, if she saved your I, life well see no. that's that's the thing it's like I would prefer her to come to me and say, this guy said to do this. And then I would just go beat the crap out of him. <laughs> right. Cause, cause that is bad. Mm-hmm. That is wrong to use something, you know, desperation to get something for you from oh, somebody yeah. else that they don't want to give up. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah, but at the same point, it's almost blackmail. Yeah. yeah, well, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, but at the same point, to see that kind of love from your wife, I mean, that it it would be one of those situations where it's like, and I've never been married, so I don't know, but I'm guessing I would just it would be like, I'm gonna go for a walk. I'm gonna think this over. I'm not mad at anyone except for the constable, who I'm gonna go back and kick his butt, but. Yeah, um, I think I would just need some time, but I, 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 I think I would learn to appreciate it mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, it's like she, she, you know, it wasn't like she wanted to. I mean, obviously, this French constable was not a good looking dude. Nah, he because, was, you know, you got to have Humphrey Bogart as a hot guy and you bring on the rest of the fat white guys to yeah. play everything else um, <laughs> in Casablanca. Yeah. <laughs> and so so yeah I, I i i don't know i mean i would like to believe that given time to just really process it and everything i'd be the i'd be thankful mm-hmm. it would be a tough one honestly yeah. i i mean it's one of those situations that i'm not really sure how i'd react unless yeah. i was actually put in that position i would like and, to think that I again could I'm, I'm saying this from a single perspective yeah. so you know you well, it's true ambivalence too because it's Something good and something bad lumped together, so you don't know which way to feel about it. Because right. it's, it's wow, that was amazing, and that was horrible at the same time. So it's like being shot and being hugged all at once. Yeah, but luckily, like Rick saw that, and he's like, you know what? We're not even going to put you through that. I'm not going to have him go through that. There's a way that I can help, and I'm going to. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go do it. And then immediately after that, after that constable shows up and says like, well, you really know how to like ruin something. And he's like, you know, Hey, sorry. And he'd be like, that's okay. He goes, I've got a meeting with a blonde tomorrow morning. So like, he's pulling this with other people. too. He didn't so even care. Just, no, yeah. that's what he does. Yeah. And it's a, he's just a lousy, creepy guy. And Rick knows that. So he's like, okay. So he just, so it's a really, I mean, that's a really good moment for him and you can really see. And at that point's when he starts plotting about, you know, really pulling the wool over, you know, the German's eyes about how I'm going to get Laszlo out of here. He sells his club. He, he tells Sam to go work for somebody else and he's going to pay you double what I pay you. Go work there. Sam is his piano player. Play it again, Sam. Yep. Go play there. I'm selling my club. He's telling Elsa, we're getting out of here tomorrow. And he's telling the constable, this is where you should be to pick him up. And then when the Germans show up, Rick shoots the German boss, puts the gun on the constable, tells Elsa and Victor, get on that plane and get out of here. And that's what he says. That's another famous line. If you don't get on that plane, you're going to regret it. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon and for the rest of your life. I know that quote too. 
Mm-hmm. So he, she gets on the plane. She walks off into the fog. She gets on the plane. The plane takes off. Rick tells the constable, you can arrest me, but not until that plane is in the air. And the plane gets in the air, and then they decide. He's like, ah, I'm not going to arrest you. <laughs> so they walk off, and he says, Louis, I believe this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. And that's the last end. Of, that's the end of the movie. So. Anyway. I um I wanted to jump back a little bit. One of the questions Nathan mentioned, you know, what was it that made him start to change? When in the movie, uh, I don't remember too much about it, but when in what part of the war did this movie take place? It, Is there it, a certain year? The or? movie came out in forty two, so we're okay. So we're, we're, we're in talking. the United States isn't in the war yet. Gotcha. But we're getting okay, close. So but it's, we're still it's at the raging. beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And it's pretty so heavy in Europe. That's 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 another thing to look at when you think of uh, Rick because I th- you know Rick I think Rick's a decent guy you know he was smuggling weapons for a cause he thought was good mm-hmm. made a mistake everyone does but then he because of that mistake he knew that he had to change you know basically just walk away from life so now he's in a foreign country running a bar and he's just he's like i'm just going to fade out i'm just going to be here and then all of a sudden this horrible time happens and all of these desperate people are coming down and that's what he you know he's just like no i've pat you know i've moved past that part of my life i'm now nobody i'm a ghost leave me alone i want to run my bar listen to my, my piano man and go home and sleep yeah but I think he always had, you know, compassion on the inside. It's just when you go through something bad like that, sometimes you just shut everything off. Yeah. He, um, watching these people come in hurt, missing friends, missing family, crying, needing to get away. It's eventually going to is with somebody with true passion, not the uh, constable, but with him, it's going to get to the point where it's just like, I can't just sit here and pretend anymore. Yeah. It's time yeah. for me to get back involved. Yeah. I think you, I think you're, and exactly I think most people, right. I think most people would probably with most people with compassion in their hearts and everything like that yeah. would do something like that. Yeah. I, I think you're a hundred percent right. He, uh, so what he did is he ran guns to Ethiopia during the Ethiopia Italian war. And then he fought on the losing side in the Spanish civil war. So he always fought on like the underdog side that was always fighting against repressive and fascist regimes. So I think that's why he, like Doug said, he takes a little sympathy in these refugees because those are the people he was fighting for. So he's, but you're right. At the same time though, he's like, I'm just trying to live my life now and not, but he can't help it at some point. It just comes to that point where I've got to step in and I've got to do something. Yeah, the story that that reminds me of, since we look for spiritual themes, that reminds me of Moses, actually, because he grows up as an adopted son of Egypt, but he's not an Egyptian. He's a Hebrew. Mm-hmm. His people are slaves there. He sees them being abused, so he kills one of the Egyptian slave masters. Then he has to flee to another country. And he doesn't want to go back, and God's trying to get him to go back and try to save the slaves, lead them out of Egypt. But 
yeah, it, it's interesting because he's sitting there like, okay, now I'm a murderer, so I have to disappear. I have to become a ghost. And then when he's asked to go back, he's like, I'm not, I'm not getting back into that. Like, Pharaoh will probably kill me. So that that's the story that comes to mind. Yeah, from a yeah, biblical perspective, when you mention that, yeah, it's very, very similar to that. So, and a very cool story because you see that happen in so many movies where the protagonist or just somebody else is like, I, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to be a part of this. But eventually, I mean, Han Solo. Yeah, Han it's Solo anti- is Rick. Kind of like the anti, yeah, the anti-hero, yeah, in a way, yeah. And then you have, you know, eventually enough stuff happens. You see enough pain. You get enough support. You get pumped up. You hear the right song. Whatever the movie is, then it's time. It's like, all right, that's enough. It's time yeah. for me to stop being who I was or am now and start being the guy I was when I first started this. And, yeah. And then usually they end up winning or killing the bad guy or getting the man and the woman on the plane and walking mm-hmm. away with the constable. Yep. Yeah. So it was, it's, it's very, very well done. And it does in, in most movies that you see in the forties are so like kind of corny, cheap acting and a lot of singing. Yeah. This doesn't have, I mean, it's, I, I love the cinematography. I love the way it looks. And, and it is in black and white. So it's like, well, what can you really do with black and white? The lighting is still really well done. And it gives that atmosphere and that feel of, you know, what it's like to sit in one of these little cantinas in the desert. And yeah, I just, overall, it's just a, it's just a great movie to watch. Is great that what Moss Eisley is based on? It could be. It's kind of like being at the Moss Island Cantina. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I thought I'd heard that. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it, or if you haven't seen it in a while, uh, I would recommend uh, checking it out. I was going to mention that because, and I I struggle from this too, where it's like, I need to watch something new. I need to go back to those times. But sometimes you, you look back at those shows and it's like, it's in black and white. There's no, you know, and especially nowadays, there's no special effects. There's no, you know, none of this. You know, they're they're speaking there. Nobody talks like this anymore. Why is everyone talking like this? Hey, why? You know, it's. But if you if you can get yourself into a couple of these older movies and do some research, because I mean, just like today, there are plenty of bad movies from the '40s and '50s, but there are some really good stories from those times and you'll start to pick up trends where it's like, like I said, with this story, I mean, there's people watching right now. It's like, Oh yeah. in that movie, he didn't want to get involved, but then he was forced to get involved. And now he had to take over. I mean, you know, die hard, maybe a little bit. I, I don't know, but um trying to come up with some on top of my head, but there are so many movies from the forties and the fifties or even earlier in that, that, are amazing stories and if you go back and watch them you'll start to catch these little glimpses of movies you see today and how they're inspired by these old movies yeah and like you said um well i said we said before the podcast i mean another one of the greatest movies ever if you ask people is a movie called citizen kane came out about around the same time maybe a little bit later i'm not sure but i've seen that once and 
there, I have no desire to go back and watch that because I was bored to death. But again, I need to probably open my mind and watch it again as a more mature adult, mm -hmm. as somebody who may be looking for spiritual themes in there or something like that. Yeah. Um, so uh, just don't give up on older movies just yet because the, and don't watch the remakes of these movies because they're not good. They tried Ocean's to do it. Was good, but <laughs> they tried to do a TV show based on this in the seventies. Oh, really? Or the eighties? Oh, boy, that that would have been awful, and it, <laughs> and it bombed. <laughs> so, don't do that. But yeah, sometimes these old classics are well worth. I mean, I could think of a lot of these movies that are black and white that I would recommend people to sit down and watch. Twelve Angry Men is another one. Oh, yeah. That takes place in... The remake just, was good, too, but yeah. the original was pretty original Henry Fonda, and yeah. it's just in a room, and they're doing a court case. And it's fantastic. It's so fantastic the way that they do this. So do yourself a favor and check out some of these oldies and goodies. I mean, they're... they're I'll great. throw one at you that I guarantee neither of you seen. The very first Academy Award winning movie. Wings. You've seen it? Yeah, silent film. Did did you watch it with me? No, but I've seen okay. it on VHS. I got it on DVD. Yeah. All right. So it is a silent film, and it's like two and a half hours long, and it had me intrigued the entire time. Now this takes place during World War One, so it's about a soldier going to World War. He gets some R and R, and that's a weird moment in the movie. But I won't go into it too much. But the battle scenes unparalleled today back in the 20s they they put this world war one they had over a hundred thousand extras in the 1920s to make this battle scene and to look like it did during world war one and you know they had i mean they had everything they had you know the old school tanks and trucks and you know you see the maybe yeah they had biplanes back then mm -hmm. i think yeah yeah, yeah, Red Baron and all that. So, you know, you see all that. And it, the, I don't know what it was about the movie, but it kept me watching it the entire two and a half hours. Mm -hmm. And not one word was said out loud. It was all music playing and it, the 1920s piano music. Hey there, Joe, what's up? <laughs> War sucks. That's probably not the dialogue, but still. <laughs> Um, the fact that that movie caught me, um, there, there was a time in my, uh, mid thirties where I was really digging deep into that because it yeah. was like, man, that first Academy Award movie was so good. I need to start watching some more. So, yeah. So yeah, take a minute or a night, just try it. Look up, you know, if you go on IMDb or any, you know, Google the top 100 movies of all time. And then start from the top and just look for anything that was done before 1970. And, uh, or maybe even 1980. I mean, there's, mm -hmm. you know, some black and white or, some, you know, like uh, Raging Bull. That's Raging Bull. Um, yeah. Do yourself a favor. Just pick an old movie and Jake watch it Give it a shot. Okay. Boy, we went on some all kinds of tangents. We there. went everywhere. So anyway, yeah. Anyway, that's that's number five on my top uh, my top six list. Casablanca. So I'm gonna watch that again. I'm gonna watch yeah. that this week. Are you gonna tease number four? Give us a clue to what it might well, be. Well, here's the thing. Number four, we have discussed because Doug and I both have it on our top six list. 
So we're not really going to go into that one. I've got another one that we'll talk about as an honorable mention. 4B? Yeah. Before B. All right. Well, thank you, Drew. Thank you, Doug, for joining me. And if you like this video, hit subscribe, uh, turn on notifications, and we will be back soon. We'll see ya. You know, a nice black and white movie that was interesting about uh, Tommy Mort, not Morrison. Uh, <laughs> um, who's the boxer? Was it Tommy? Uh, Raging Bull. Um, uh, who's I the famous boxer? I can't remember before, who his character uh, was. Oh my god, I'm blanking on it. Anyway, I'm gonna get ripped for that. I'm supposed to be the movie. <laughs> no, we'll just cut that part. <laughs> there you go. But uh, you're going to leave it on now. That was a good joke. Anyway. <laughs>